Please turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading in verse 12. The Apostle James is uh, writing there and he says, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. While while, and it says it, it means while surrounded by life's difficulties. All right? For once he has been approved, he or she, can I just, okay? All right? Once he or she has been approved, he or she will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Wow. Now there's a verse and a half, isn't there? <laughs> okay? Um, notice, first of all, so notice again he says, blessed is the man or the woman who perseveres under trial. He says, blessed, blessed are the people that persevere. Okay? It's not just a person who is tested who is considered blessed. See, a lot of people today in the body of Christ they're just going, well, I'm being tested and tried. I'm, you know, I'm blessed because I'm being tested and, tired, uh, tested and tried. But the thing is that you're not being tested and tried by God. That's the enemy coming against you. How do we know this? In Psalm 143 and verse 3, it says, Therefore the enemy has persecuted my soul. We also know in Corinthians it says that, this, that Satan is the God of this world. Amen? And also um, in Luke Chapter 13, I just want to quickly go through some of these because I, I just need to lay a bit of a foundation before we can move on. It says in Luke 13 and verse 16, in fact, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, now remember again, this is the crippled woman who was healed by Jesus, okay, and everybody was upset because it was the wrong day of the week again, all right? Uh, he says, Being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound. I want you to see those words, who Satan has bound. Not that the Lord has bound to test her and try her. And, you know, we always have these doctrines of, well, God's doing this to me to test me and try me. Why? Why does he need to do that when he sent Jesus Christ to die for you so that he can just test and try you all the time? That's not the way this works, family. Now, listen, tests and trials will come because we live in a fallen world. Did you hear me? We live in a fallen world, which means that, you know, that tells us a couple of things. Number one, somebody made it fall, <laughs> okay? It didn't fall by itself. There was a devil there. And see, a lot of people, it amazes me how people, they'll believe in God, but they won't believe in the devil. Or they'll kind of know he's kind of there, but everything that goes on in their life, everything is the Lord. Hey, man, you know, wake up. It's not like that, all right? There's a lot of stuff going on. In fact, I, I just remember somebody once saying, uh, this, now this was not even a believer. He said, you know, if God is the way you guys says, says he is, then I don't want anything to do with him. But he said, I don't think he is. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, well, why don't you give your life to the Lord? Why? Because this is where he doesn't want to end up. He doesn't want to end up in a place where, where tries, you know, people are trying to convince him that God is his problem. Isn't that something? That's something to think about. Anyway, so getting back to this, <clears throat> it's extremely important that we understand that God is not the one behind all the trials and the difficulties that we face, but the devil. And it's only when we know this, listen, it's only when we know this can we not only look to God for help, but also look to be rewarded by him as long as we persevere and stay on course. Joel with me. Amen? All right. So let's go back and let's look at this now. <laughs> James chapter 1, let's go back to verse 12 again. I want to look at the first part of the verse. Um, the Apostle James says again there, he says, Blessed is the man or woman 
who perseveres under trial. Now, the word blessed there does not convey the idea, I've got to read this, okay? Does not convey the idea of happiness, as some believe, but carries the idea of a profound inner joy and satisfaction that only the Lord himself is able to bestow on those who, in his power, faithfully and patiently endure uh, and conquer trials. That's, that's a long thing, <laughs> okay? okay? Do you want me to read it again? I'll read it again. Okay, so, so blessed here, let me just do it in bits now, okay? Blessed here does not convey the idea of happiness. This is not about happiness. Do you all understand that happiness is when everything is going well, you're happy, <laughs> okay? All right, but you can have joy in the midst of a trial. Remember James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 talked about that. Count it all joy when they're in the midst of a trial because the testing of your faith produces patience. Remember, let patience have a perfect work. Okay, I'm going through the whole verse now. But remember again that because he, he said that you come to the place where you are entire, wanting, lacking nothing, wanting nothing, okay? So, but I want you to understand that's a joy. That's something else. Uh, Pastor Sarah, my daughter, okay, <laughs> shared with you about joy this morning. All right, because that's where your strength comes from. And I want you to remember again her words when she said it's the joy of the Lord that is your strength. It isn't just normal kind of fleshly joy. It is a supernatural spiritual joy, the joy of the Lord. That's where you get your strength from. All right, and we're going to see something else as well today. In fact, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. But let me continue and finish off here while you're turning there. I pray you have a Bible, okay? <laughs> All right. Um, but again, he says blessed. The word blessed here does not convey the idea of happiness, but it carries the idea of a profound inner joy and satisfaction. A profound inner joy and satisfaction that only the Lord himself is able to bestow. This is something that only God can do. That's why it's not there for the world. That's why, you know, people say, well, I don't want religion. Well, do you want joy? Do you want strength? <laughs> okay. Do you want peace? Well, that's what you're saying no to. That's what, that's what becoming a Christian is all about. It isn't about joining a religion. It's about having a relationship and having fellowship with God in whom all of these things are. Amen. In his presence is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. All right, so again it says, but carries the idea of a profound inner joy and satisfaction that only the Lord himself is able to bestow on those who in his power, in his power, faithfully and patiently, faithfully and patiently endure and conquer trials. Now when we talk about faithfully and patiently um, enduring and conquering trials, see, we can't do this against God. You know, we can't think now God is giving us a test and a trial and then we have to fight him to get through it. It's never that. I'm going to give you an example from Daniel chapter 3 today to, to show you what all this is talking about, okay? So let's get there in just a minute. But I told you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Let's go look at that. Remember again that this is talking about <clears throat> being, uh, being strong in the Lord. Of course, you know, this is Ephesians 6.10 where it says, Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. I need you to see that, that you need to be strong in Him and in the power of His might. His power. His might. That's what needs to be working on the inside of you. Amen? Regardless of what you're facing. See, one of the problems that we, we have is we kind of get all weird 
you know, weary and, and worn out and we're kind of going, oh, Lord, you know, how many more steps are there? <laughs> okay? And, and instead of going, whoa, is that all you got, devil? I mean, this, you see, we, we, we go to the Lord and we think he's the one that's causing all these problems. So we whine to him. Instead, you know, and God's going, it's not me. Can you turn around the other way and fight what's attacking you? So that's what I want you to do today. All right? Turn around. Turn away from God. Have God at your back. Let him look after your back. And you fight this thing with his power, with his joy, with his help. Because he lives in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. We need to turn our fight against the devil instead of complaining to God. All right? I'm just saying this. We'll see something here in just a minute. And I want you to notice verses 11 and 12. There's something else very significant. Not only does he say, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I mean, Ephesians 6, now in verses 11 and 12. He says, put on the whole armor of God. If you, if, you know, if all of this stuff is coming against you, is from God, then you better not put on his armor, <laughs> okay? Because you're using God's armor to fight God. What, what is this? You know, I think that's why half the people don't come to Christianity today, because it's so confusing. You know, on one hand, it's like, oh, the Lord loves you, and he loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son, or somebody said only forgotten son, okay, <laughs> to, to, to save you, all right? But once you come in the kingdom, suddenly the coin flips. Suddenly the Lord is testing you. Suddenly he's trying you. Suddenly he's trying to make you miserable. And you just think, hang on a second, when I came in, he loved me. Now when, once I'm in, he suddenly is, you know, attacking me. Maybe I should just stay out the whole time. And just let him love me. <laughs> you know, in my silly brain and logic, that's what I would be thinking. All right? <laughs> All right. See, it doesn't make any sense. So we need to understand something. We need to be really clear where a fight is coming from and who we can depend on, which is God, and who we are coming against, which is the enemy, and why we need God's armor on that. See, and it's not just putting on his armor, it's knowing that he is backing his armor. Because we're not fighting him. He is in us. He is, God is on our side. He is for us. Amen? That's in Romans chapter 8. I don't know, 8, uh, 31, 37, somewhere in there anyway. All right, so back to this. Ephesians 6, 12 then goes on to say, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle. Notice we, we do have a fight. It says, but we do wrestle against principalities, against powers, rulers of the darkness of this age. Spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. See, there's all of those things. But I need you to understand something. Those things manifest in the natural realm in different ways. Have you noticed? All right? Because I know somebody's out there sitting and going, yeah, it's easy for you to say that we don't fight against flesh and blood. But this flesh and blood is being a real problem to me. I want to shoot this flesh and blood. I want to run it over. <laughs> yeah. Don't do any of those things. But, you know, you, you've got this kind of like, but, you know, man, I tell you, some days it really feels like it's flesh and blood. Listen to me. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today. How do you deal with that? Because, you know, we need to pray. First thing, you know, first things first, okay? The armor of God is so that you can pray. The armor of God is so that you can stand, all right? The armor of God is there so that you can take on an unseen enemy. Do you hear me? An unseen enemy and take him down with it. All right? Using the word of God, which is your sword. That's why you need to know the word of God. All right? Okay. Please have a couple of swords in your armory. Can you just, 
memorize one scripture or something, <laughs> okay? Take a minute and memorize the scripture, man. You need this. When, you know, when the enemy is attacking you, the last thing you want to do is be running around trying to find your Bible. Anyway, all right. <clears throat> so you need the Bible in here. The Bible out here doesn't do any good. The Bible in here makes all the difference in your heart. All right. So anyway, back to this. So I've said here again, even though this tells us that ultimately our fight is against the forces of darkness, there will always be situations in the natural instigated by the devil that will involve flesh and blood. Can I get an amen out there? All right. That we must determine to stand up against and fight the good fight of faith if we are going to honor and glorify God. So we see an example of this in Daniel chapter 3, I said I'm going to take you there, involving Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I want to give this story uh, with regard to this verse, okay? I want to tie these two together because a lot of times we don't get a picture of what's really going on. And uh, again here, they refuse to back down. And because they refuse to back down, remember something is going to happen here, we're going to see this. They win the heart of a king. And they honor God in the process. So let's go have a look there. Remember again, all of this is to do with blessed is a man or woman who perseveres under trial. Okay, remember that as we read this. All right, so in Daniel chapter 3, I'm going to begin, in, begin reading in verse 1. I believe it's a whole chapter, sorry. But uh, you know, this, this, this is a fascinating story. But it says here, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so I don't have to keep stopping and saying this is what it means. All right, all right. So Daniel chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, it says that King Nebuchadnezzar, made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. All right? So he says, he's got this massive statue. You know, he goes, all right, this is my statue. You know, people make gods for themselves, all right, to suit themselves. Verse 2, then he sent messages to the princes, prefects, governors, advisors, counselors, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to uh, the dedication of the statue he had set up. <laughs> okay, verse 3. When all these officials had arrived and were standing before the image uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, verse 4, a herald shouted, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. All right, notice the king's command. Verse 5, when you, uh, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, the zir, the lyre, the harp, all these things, okay, and other instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Notice it's King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. All right, all right. And verse 6, anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So there's the threat. All right, you refuse to obey, you get thrown in, in the furnace. Verse 7, so at the sound of the musician, uh, musical instruments, excuse me, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. <laughs> Here it comes. Verse 8, but some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to the king, uh, they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. Verse 10, you issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the musical instruments. Verse 11, that decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a, bla a blazing furnace. 
you know, there's always somebody going to rat somebody out, <laughs> okay? And they just can't be happy with what they're doing. They have to see, look and see who is, who isn't doing what we're doing. Oh, look, that person isn't doing what we're doing. Let's persecute them, <laughs> okay? Does that sound like your office maybe? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm just playing, I'm playing with you. All right, so back to this. So again, he says, uh, in, in verse 11, let me, go back, let me go to verse 11. He says, that decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a burning furnace, verse 12. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They have defied your majesty by refusing to serve your gods or to worship the gold statue you have set up. Now, let me just give you a little bit of background on this. They were actually recommended by Daniel to the king that they would be people that he could trust to be put in charge of that area, all right? And so on Daniel's recommendation, now the king uh, trusts Daniel, all right, because you've seen sort of how he's, if I had time, I'd read all of it. Or this is an incredible book to read. If you want to read something that's just amazing, read this book. But anyway, because it's got angels and everything right? uh, later on as well. But uh, one, one of the things is that, you know, because the king respected Daniel, Daniel suggested that these three be put in charge. And so the king puts them in charge, which now, if they're doing the wrong thing, this is going to reflect badly on Daniel as well. Are you with me? All right? But something very interesting is going to happen here. So I need you to know that. Okay? And so uh, moving on. Uh, Where was I? Okay, then. So... (laughs) Can I go back? Okay, because I'm in the middle of a sentence then. All right, so again, they have defiled your majesty by refusing to serve your gods. Notice your gods. Now, he built this thing. One day, he decided to make a god. I mean, (laughs) who does that? All right, people do this all the time. You know, they decide something is important, and then everybody's got to bow down to it. Now, you can translate that in any way you want. At home, at work, whatever, okay? We need to be careful that we don't decide on things, that we don't set up things that everybody has to bow down to because we think that's important and because we want that. Just saying. Moving on. All right. So, again, he says, uh, they have uh, defied your majesty by refusing to serve your gods or to worship the gold statue you have set up. Verse 13, then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage <laughs> and ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar, verse 14, said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? Verse 15, I will give you one more chance. You know, the devil's always looking to see if you can compromise, all right? I will give you one more chance. If you bow down and worship the statue I have made, when you hear the sound of the musical instruments, all will be well. But if you refuse, if you refuse, he says, you will be thrown immediately into the burning furnace. Now watch, he says, what God will be able to rescue you from my power then? All right, so there's the challenge, all right? So I want you to notice, this is a difficulty, this is something that James is talking about. All right, when you are facing trials, when you are facing tests, when you're facing this kind of thing that the enemy throws at you, that people following his, you know, following the enemy will do to you, will cause you grief. Where do you stand in those at those times? All right? And I want you to notice that the the king is saying I'll give you one more chance on this. 
just in case, you know, you, you, maybe you had a cramp or something. You, you know, you couldn't get down there and you, you, you couldn't bow down or whatever. <laughs> right? we'll, we'll just give you that. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we, we bow, we actually give in to that. We kind of go, oh, well, they're being so sweet. So, you know, let's just do that. Be careful what you compromise to keep. Somebody, as somebody once said, be careful what you compromise to keep because you're going to always lose it. All right? Um, remember, if whatever you do for God, God will always back you up. Just remember that. All right, so back to this. Uh, <laughs> I lost myself. All right, so, oh yeah. And so again, he says, he, uh, I love this. He says, what God will be able to rescue from my power? What God will be able to rescue from my power? All right, so Shadrach, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we, don't, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Verse 17, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God, capital G, whom we serve, is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. I want you to notice that they're, they're not saying, watch, watch, watch what they're not saying. What all the Christians would say today, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we know God is using you to test us and try us. And we want to just stand here because we know that if we are faithful and we're patient, then God will reward us. They, he didn't, they don't say any of those things. I want you to notice, watch what they say. The God who is, whom we serve is able to save us. In other words, he's saying, this is not God doing this. He's going to save us from this. Did you get that? All right. And then he says, he says, he will rescue us from your power. Remember, the, remember uh, the king said, who will rescue, which, what God can save you from my power. Remember that? He said my power. All right. All right. So again, he says, they say he will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Verse 18. I love this. I love this. He says, but even if he doesn't, your majesty can be sure that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. All right, I need to talk about this for just a minute. I want you to notice that they knew this wasn't God. Listen to me, all right? They said, we're believing God to save us. But, but, see, this is where Christians sort of fall. This, now I'm talking to the Word of Faith Christians, okay? You know, we stand and everything, and then things don't work out the way we think they should. And then we go, well, God, look, you know, they said that it would, and now it didn't. Then what happened, man? <laughs> okay? And we got offended by God. You know, it talks about the different grounds, and the first, the second type of ground is the one that has the word, it's in stony ground, and it, it's easily offended, and it, you know, it loses everything, everything that it gained from the word, everything that it received of the word, it loses because of offense, because they say it, they're offended for the word's sake. Do you understand? They go, well, I thought this was going to work. And well, it didn't work and blah, blah. But I want you to know this with them. They said, you know what? Even if he doesn't. See, can I just say this to you? What would have happened if, all right, it didn't happen. But what would have happened if God didn't save them? If the miracle didn't take place? Where do you think they would be next? With him. Have we ever figured that one out? <laughs> okay. They're going, listen, one way or the other, we're with him. We're either way with him in the flesh down here and continue to be with him down here and continue to serve him down here or we're going to be with him in heaven. So do your worst. 
One way or the other, we aren't bowing because we don't we want to go there. We don't want to go there. Okay? We want to go up, not down. All right? Okay, so please get some of this. Okay, understand some of this. Because I sort of feel like Christians don't have that revelation. They're always looking for a, a, a victory down here, and everything is based on whether or not they win down here. And listen to me, I want you to win down here. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. So I'm doing everything that I can to get you guys to believe, okay? Because that's where the power is, and that's where God can help you and, and do His best in you and through you and for you, okay? But getting back to this, I want you to notice they were not going to back down. Blessed is the man or woman who perseveres under trial, who says, I don't care whether I live or die, I'm not bowing the knee. Get it? All right. This is a trial, by the way. Okay. Well, you might say, well, what about temptation? That's verses 13 through 15. That's a whole nother thing. That has nothing to do with this. That has to do with you, your mind, and where your little thoughts go. Okay? <laughs> We're not talking about that. I don't know if I want to do that or not yet, because you might, might not be ready for it. All right. Oh, oh not want to hear after all of this. Okay? But let's, let's continue here. So again, he says here, uh, where is it? He says, if we're throwing, watch this now, uh, sorry, verse 18, he says, but if he doesn't, your majesty, your majesty can be sure that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up, verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times harder than usual. This guy is going nuts. All right, okay, verse 20. Then he ordered some of the uh, strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. Now, this is very interesting because I don't want somebody out there to go, well, the furnace wasn't that hot, and, you know, they're just making more out of this story than it actually is. And, you know, so, okay, so they went in there, but, you know, it wasn't that bad, and they danced around the fire a little bit and came back out. Hey, 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 can we continue reading? All right, let's continue reading. So, uh, and so it goes on to say, verse 21, so they tied them up and threw them into the furnace fully clothed, Verse 22, and because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames leaped out and killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So the guys that went in to throw them, this, you know, as they were throwing them in, the flames leaped out and consumed them and burned them up. So can I just say this? I mean, people around them are getting burnt. This is not a small campfire. <laughs> okay, this is a very, okay, this is a, this, this is a raging fire. Wow. So, verse 23, it says, So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell down into the roaring flames. So I want you to notice, it didn't say just flames, they're roaring flames. Also notice that they are tied up. This is very significant, by the way, okay? A lot of people miss this one. But I want you to notice they're tied up at this point in time, all right? Verse 24, but suddenly, as he was watching, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, they said, we did indeed, your majesty. Verse 25, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, oh, excuse me, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men un unbound, four men unbound. Did you see those words? When they got thrown in, they were bound. Now they are unbound. 
Something miraculous is happening. Not only is God protecting them, but God loosed them as well. Loose the bonds on them. All right, it says, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire. They aren't even hurt by the flames, and the fourth looks like a divine being. Some say the Son of God, but it says looks like a divine being. I believe it was Jesus Christ, okay, that was with them. And let me say this, God didn't turn up until they were in the fire. Uh, let me say this again. So much of the time, we back off. We see the fire. We see the flames. We see the threats, or we hear the threats, and we kind of go, oh, God, you better hurry up and save me, because, you know, if, if, I'm, if they're going to throw me in there, forget about it. I'm changing religions, <laughs> okay? But can I just say this? Let me just put it to you this way. God's in the fire. He's waiting for you in there. He's going, this is where the miracle is. See, anything before that isn't really that much of a miracle. But then they toss you in. When things should happen, like to everybody else, a thousand may fall at one side, ten thousand the other. The people throwing you in might get burnt up, but you won't get burnt up. It will not come near you. <laughs> Amen? And that's where the miracle is. And we need to get this, family. We need to understand that because we're in a fallen world, the enemy will do everything to persecute us and everything to throw us in that fire. And we need to know that if we get thrown in and God isn't there at the front end, he'll be there on the other end. Amen. Somebody say amen out there. I'm saying amen over here. All right. <laughs> Watch then. He goes on to say, Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants. Watch what he's saying now. Servants of the Most High God come out. Watch who comes out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Do you see who's missing? The fourth man is missing. He was there for them when they needed him. And when they were out of danger, he's not there anymore. I really need you to get a revelation of this. Do you know that's why we need to give glory to God? Because he'll always back away. He'll always be in the shadows. He'll never promote himself. All this junk that people preach. God is a jealous God from a negative point of view. You don't understand what that even means. Too many people reading Old Testament have no idea what they're reading. But I read the Bible six times a year. Dude, you still have no idea. It's not about reading it 600 times. It's about understanding what it's actually saying. Do you know I'd much rather understand a little bit well than a whole lot really badly and preach bad messages? Amen. Anyway, back to this. All right. <laughs> For those of you that are reading your Bible, please do. All right. I'm not against that. I'm just saying that I've heard a lot of people boast about them, you know, uh, not from our church, okay? But boast about how many times they read the Bible and then you listen to them and you think, dear God, did you get any of it? Did you understand anything you read? Can I just say, if you're going to read the Bible, please read the Greek and the Hebrew, not the English and make doctrines out of it. Are you all here? Okay. Back to this. All right. All right. All right. That's my little soapbox, okay? That's my calling to straighten things out. And, and anyway, all right, so back to this. So again, he says, I see four, remember again, he said, I see four men in verse 25. And then he calls out Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they stepped out of the fire. Verse 27, then the princes, prefects, governors, and advisors, all right, crowded around them. And watch this. 
They all came to see what all happened. Suddenly they don't care about the big statue. Something else has happened to draw their attention away from what they were worshipping, listen, to what was actually going on. Something miraculous happened. Listen to me. The way to win people over isn't to argue it out with them, is to have a miracle happen and then they'll take their eyes of whatever false things they're looking at and begin to look at what you're, because this is real. This is something significant. I want this in my life. Did you get that? Amen. All right. And it says, crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. The fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads were singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. I mean, they're just going, what is this? All the gods got burned up because they were just too close. These guys go in there. They go in tied. They come out untied with smelling like roses. Can I say that? <laughs> okay. They don't smell like fire at all. There's nothing to indicate that anything, you know, I, I could almost, all I could do is imagine there was like a little force field around them. They had their own personal force field, and it just came on them, and they went in there, they did whatever they, and they came back out. God will do that. He is your shield. Amen. He is your fortress. In Him you can trust. All right, so, <laughs> because they stood the stand, watch verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God, they've just turned him, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants, all right, this is him talking, all right, who trusted in him. They defied the king's command. This is still Nebuchadnezzar talking. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Verse 29, therefore, I make this decree. He's about to make another decree. Remember the first decree was everybody has to bow down to my God and my statue and worship it and blah, blah, blah. He's making another decree now. Watch, watch. Notice that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't ask God to take Nebuchadnezzar out. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Are you getting this now? We do what we do in God according to the leading of the Spirit and let God do the miracle. And this miracle took place. And because of that, another decree is coming out by this king. And he says, if any people, verse 29 again, if any people, whatever their race or national language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb and their houses will be crushed into heaps of rubble. This guy's not saved, okay? All right? There is no other God. Watch this. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Oh, woo, hallelujah. Are you jumping where you are? I'm jumping here. All right. Notice he gets a revelation. Something happens. Because of this miracle, this king changes totally. And watch verse 30. It ain't finished. All right. This is how it finishes. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. Oh, hallelujah. Did you see that? And can I say something else? Remember, Daniel was the one that recommended them in chapter 2. So you're going to find out now. See, this now makes Daniel look even better. Because Daniel said, trust these guys. Amen? And now the king has seen for himself 
the kind of character these men have. That they will not bow their knee to something they know isn't right. They will stand up for what they know is right. And therefore, even in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, if people try to sway them and get them to do the wrong thing, they won't back down. They'll say, no, this is the right thing to do by, by my conscience and by the king. So we're doing this. Not worshiping other gods, but when it's the right thing to do, when it's right thing should be happening, they'll make sure it happens. Amen? Okay. Oh, I've run out of time. I have to finish this. Let, let me just... <laughs> But this was not the only reward per, for persevering under trial because it goes into saying the latter half of verse 12, for once he has been approved, he or she will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Watch this. Not only are you blessed, not only will you be honored, not only will God vindicate you, but I want you to notice something. There's a crown waiting for you. That's why I keep saying, man, you know, uh, let, me, let me read this. Don't feel sorry for the people that gave up their life. Now, God doesn't want you to give up your life, you know, and, and because as soon as you leave this planet, that's it. We, we lose you. All right? I know some people out there kind of almost worship martyrs. Dude, don't die. We need you. Okay? Hang in there. Use your faith. Do what these guys did. All right? Stand firm. But, but understand something. Notice something here. Can I read this? Because I've got too many thoughts going and I'm running out of time. With regard to the crown that's mentioned here, John MacArthur says that the term for crown is borrowed from athletics rather than royalty. I'll let you know what I was going to tell you in just a minute, okay? It was the wreath placed on the victor's head in athletic events symbolizing persevering triumph. Persevering triumph. Uh, what I was going to say to you before is I want you to notice that this is a crown that they wear. And I want you to realize something, that all those people that give up their life, they get to wear a crown given to them by Jesus, we're going to find out, in heaven. So don't feel sorry for them. Okay? All right. So one of the translations says here, he or she will not just receive the crown of life, but the victorious crown of life. I really love that. All right? Interestingly enough, this is the same Greek word used in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll finish in a minute. Uh, verses uh, 24 and 25, where the Apostle Paul says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? You know this verse, right? But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everybody, verse 25, who competes, this is 1 Corinthians 9, 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. I want to leave you with one last scripture, and that is in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. This is Jesus himself speaking. He says, don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will, the devil, the devil will throw some of you into prison, and, and the devil, can I add, will put you to the test. You will be persecuted, all right, and so on and so forth. But he says, but remain faithful even when facing death. He says, and I, I will give you the crown of life. Oh, hallelujah. Man, you stand up for the Lord and you will be rewarded forever. You know that crown, nobody can take that away from you. And if God gives you that crown, it's a crown that you have forever in heaven. It's not one like down here, the Apostle Paul said, but you know, it gets chucked away, all right? That one will last for, it won't ever taint. It lasts forever. So from this, we see uh, that this magnificent crown 
something that you will wear in heaven for all eternity, given to you by Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, remember, okay, is what is being promised to all those who stand against the enemy and refuse to bow the knee. So don't, again, don't ever feel sorry for those who have gone before us, all right? Because this is what was waiting for them. This is what they've been rewarded with. To conclude, R. Kent Hughes writes, and we'll finish with this, Oh, the bliss of the man or woman whose soul perseveres. He or she will receive the crown of life. Because this person is a believer, he or she already has, has eternal life, just as Jesus promised. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. That's John 5.24. Therefore, when he or she receives the crown of life, hallelujah, he or she receives the final endowment of life, life indeed. Amen? Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you so much for this word. And I pray that this, this inspires, this energizes, this strengthens each and every person in the sound of my voice. I thank you, Father, that you are a God who is faithful. And I thank you that you are always on our side. That we never have to question whether it's you behind our problems. That we know, God, that you're the one behind us helping through, helping us through the problems, not causing us more problems. And we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen.